Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and the mailman to his Stockton, Jake, gives you sports betting tips. I am Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Sides, and you can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Saturday, March 12th, 2022, and this live episode covers today's best college basketball bets. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. That information, along with a graded A, B, or C pick for each of today's games not covered in this episode, is available in the Google Sheet linked in the show. Actually, it's not anymore. It's linked in the website. I made a website, y'all. It's like kind of basic, but it, you know, I had fun with it. Made a little website. There's not a lot of things to click there, but I put all the links there. It's the same URL, so if you've got a bookmarked or if you're there, you're good to go. But uh, I made a website, so I just want people to go to it because I've never done anything like that before. I'm like a, I'm like a, <laughs> I'm kidding a little kid about it. It's, it's kind of neat stuff there. A picks are the ones I love. B picks are the ones I like. And C picks are the links. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, Jake, yesterday the model, uh, second bad day out of three. Uh, overall for the podcast this week, I'm 18, 20, and one. But there have been some close games, some wild ones. I just wanted to highlight a couple of them. First off, we had St. Louis yesterday. We had them on the podcast minus one. They quickly went towards a pick them and close plus one and a half. So hopefully, listener out there, you got St. Louis and you were a winner there rather than us on here who officially pushed. Monmouth I gave out at minus four and a half. They won by four. They closed at three and a half. So I'm hoping that maybe you won or maybe that you pushed rather than lost. And then that UAB game, which they had no business covering when they played in the like seven overtimes or whatever. And of course you had the whiplash right of the first semifinal game has, you know, 80 points total on that game gets to 200, right? But they're up 11 with 15 seconds to go and gets a double technical back-to-back threes were made in 15 seconds. They went from an 11 point lead to four, just a weird couple of games yesterday for sure. Uh, what else do you have for us before we get started today? Man, like, so you got Memphis. Have they figured it out? Like, I mean, has Penny figured out what buttons to push to this team? Was it kicking Monty Bates off the team, the right move? Like, not that he's off the team, but he's off the team. Um, but, I mean, they've really blown through this. Or are they just kind of a product of a weaker conference and they're just kind of showing up? I mean, today will be a real test. The SMU team is pretty good. So it'll be fun to see if they're actually on it. I, I think they kind of have. But, like, going through the numbers and stuff, they seem like they've kind of figured it out. And that hurts me to say as much as I don't like Penny. Uh, but then this year, ooh, this is so much fun. The Selection Sunday is going to be a wild one. It's, everything's up in the air. All the seeding, like number one seeds are, besides Gonzaga and Arizona, there's a, like, you know, does Kansas keep it? If they Even if they lose, has Baylor played their way out of a one seed down, down to a two? Does Kentucky or Tennessee, if they win the SEC, do they, they pull it off? Or does the Big Ten champ get it? Like, it's well, it's way up there, and then like you have bubble teams like Xavier and Wake. Have they played their way out of it? Because teams like Texas A&M and Virginia Tech are making runs. Like this is this is a lot of fun. This last few years on Selection Sunday, it's not been that questionable. There's been one or two teams. This one feels like all the seedings up in the air. So this could be a lot of fun on Sunday. 
Yep, and speaking of Sunday, reminder, we will have a recorded episode tomorrow. We will break down all five conference championship games. I guess we'll have no buzzer beaters tomorrow because it'll just be five games to look about all five of them. Uh, if you aren't already, hit that subscribe button. For those of you who already have, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We are getting closer to that 1,000 subscriber milestone, and when we get there, we will get y'all that bonus content. So let's get right to it. Today, we're going to start off with one of the semifinal games here in the SEC, a really big one, 2 p.m. Central Kentucky versus Tennessee. As with a lot of games that we're going to talk about today, it's kind of the round three after the the two teams split the first matchups here. Uh, the first one in Kentucky was much more of an up and down game. Kentucky ran away. The second one, Tennessee, played the type of game that they want to play, suffocating defense, really smothered Kentucky and ran away with it themselves. Now we have the uh, deciding game here in the SEC semifinals. I'm taking under 138 and a half. The model thinks it should be 135. That first game had a ton of points, but I just, I, I it's not that Kentucky can't win obviously they're a very good team it's that i would just be surprised if tennessee doesn't come out with that exact same game plan knowing what they have to do they have to slow this game down they have to play that great defense and if tennessee starts running i think they know that spells disaster kentucky will try to win there will be some points i'm not saying there won't be points um and i'm not saying that kentucky won't go on some some runs or something but tennessee has to slow this down has to just take the air out of the ball that's the type of game that rick barnes wants to play anyway I think that second game is much more representative of the type of game that we're going to get. Again, maybe not a Tennessee blowout, but I think that's the type of game we're going to have. That was 139 points in that last game. Now we're at a neutral site, conference tournament. You drop a point or two there. I think that under 138 and a half is the way to look. I think that these teams are going to uh, be more careful with the ball, especially in the second half. So I, I think under is the play here. I don't have a great feel for the side, Jake. I think you do. So let's uh, let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, I really like Tennessee in this spot. I think that defense is really, really something special. Um, the way they can just eat a team alive. And like with like Kentucky, I think we're going to get a closer style game. It's not going to be a Tennessee blowout because I think Kentucky's going to make a few more shots than they did in the one at Knoxville. But like even if you look at the blowout when Kentucky blew Tennessee out of the water, Kentucky's defense really didn't do that much to slow Tennessee down. They still shot the ball very well and put up quite a few amount of points. So it was just Kentucky was on fire and couldn't and couldn't miss. I, I really think that Tennessee has has the team to do it. They can match up. Like Sheikway is one of the best players in the world right now. He's incredible. Um, but Tennessee's got enough rotation and enough big guys to make his life hard. Chandler and Ziegler and Muscovy can really balance Ty Ty and uh, Severe Wheeler. The really the biggest advantage, and this is where the key of the game is, like is like Mintz and Grady. Are they on? Are they hitting everything they throw up, or are they cold? And like Josiah Jordan James is able to lock one or one or both of them down. That is really the big difference in the game, and that's kind of the key. I think it stays close. I think this game ends up being uh, like like a one or two. Uh, point game, and that's why I like having Tennessee with the points. And that's the general strategy I like, right? Is take points if you don't know what's going to happen. It should be it should be a really good game, right? And so, I, I thankfully for me, 
hopefully we've got a low scoring first half. I can just sit back in my popcorn, you know, have the ender locked in and then kind of see whoever, whoever wins isn't my problem at that point. Uh, Big 12 championship game, 5 p.m. Central, Texas Tech versus Kansas. Uh, I'm actually going over on this one rather than under. I've played a little bit more unders here this week, but I'm going over 134. The model thinks 136. We know how good of a defense Texas Tech has, but Kansas gets them up and they get some get them up and down the court. We saw it in the first two matchups; both games went uh, over the total course. One, uh, you know, barely over, and then flew through in overtime. The other one was an easy over as well. And so, uh, Tech kind of plays to the tempo of the opposing team. They're not they're not that we're going to, you know, Virginia type, we're going to grind it out, play good defense that your know, old school Virginia, right? Not today's Virginia. That's not the way they play. They do play great defense, but I mean, if they get, they'll get up and down and they'll score or they'll, they'll play slow with you if you want. They'll kind of just do what you want to do. Kansas wants to get up and down and, um, you know, get more possessions, put a lot of points on the board. So I'm going to go uh, rare over here this week, take over 134. Uh, Kansas is a two point favorite. I feel like this is a lot like the Kentucky Tennessee game. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's two great teams. I'm fascinated to watch it. Jake, if people are interested in who wins, what do you have for them? I, I'm on Texas Tech here. I think what like the way that both matchups went, and it's just an incredible tight game, the overtime one. Like it's not been one team running away from the other one. And I, I think you're right with how Texas Tech plays. They, the, they let the other team kind of set the pace, and they're like, "Okay, we can play this way." And I think the faster pace suits them better because of like how suffocating their defense can be, and that kind of keeps uh, Kansas big advantage with like uh, Lightfoot and uh, McCormick. It kind of keeps them moving and not letting them bury themselves in the post. So I think you'll see a lot more pressure and a lot more pushing the pace from Texas Tech th- uh, this way. And They've got the matchups and they've got the long bodies and stuff to get in the Baji's way. So as long as they can make him inefficient, they'll they'll cover this game and maybe even win. I kind of like them to win. Um, I, sh- I don't think Kansas plays good enough defense to get in anybody's way. So I, I'm leaning Texas Tech on this, but I, I'm pretty sure they'll cover. I like I like the way they've uh, Adams is running his rotation right now. He he's not scared to put anybody in there, and that really goes a long way. For like in a tournament thing where you're playing back to back to back, that's keeping lights fresh. And Kansas isn't that deep, so I think that might come back to bite them in this game. All right, and then from that game to one, starts at the same time. If you have two TVs up and you're watching both of them, you may not realize they're the same sport, but but indeed they are. The Mountain West game, San Diego State versus Boise State. Uh, San Diego State's a two-point favorite with a total of 118. I'm rolling under that 118. The model thinks it should be 115. This is one of my favorite types of games. Look, we know what we're going to get here. I talk about this, right? When when you have the fast team versus a slow team, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know what a team is going to try to do, and you know how um, – kind of like with, with Kentucky Tennessee. Kentucky wants to run. Tennessee's going to slow it down. And I think Tennessee's going to – I think they'll be smart enough not to fall into that trap. But you never really know. There is that little bit of hesitancy of like, what if Tennessee starts getting up and down the court? That could really hurt us. We have, do not have that issue here in this San Diego State Boise State game. Both teams are going to play rel- not Virginia slow, but they're still going to play a little bit slow. They both play suffocating defenses. The last game didn't get to 120. The first game didn't get to 80. Now, I don't think we're going to see that again. That's obviously a rare anomaly. But I just think that it's going to be very difficult for these teams uh, to get 260 last game. I think it was like first of 59 wins, and I think you're kind of in that same sort of boat here. If you get to 55, you've probably won this game. 
I don't see a lot of points, but if you like a good defensive style of basketball, I mean, they're going to be putting on a clinic here in the Mountain West game. Uh, Jake, San Diego State is a two-point favorite. Uh, do, they, do they win, or does Boise State pull the small upset? Man, I'm, I'm all over taking the points today because I'm taking the points of Boise. All right, I, I like it. I, I, like I said, I think this looks exactly like the last game they played where it was a one-point game, um, and it, barely, like you said, barely broke. 100 like it, it's going to be they're going to be a lot more careful it's really going to come down to turnovers Boise State takes care of the ball fairly well so as long as they're not giving San Diego State extra possessions this is uh, they stay within this number I think maybe even win I think the number's a slight overreaction to how San Diego State's finishing the year um, but at the same time this is not a game you truly want to watch this is one you want to be able to check the score on and then Oh, it's in the last minute. We'll flip it over, like as long as it's close, kind of thing. Like this isn't an exactly great style of basketball to watch. The only thing that can come back to bite me on this is Boise State is absolutely garbage from the free throw line. So if they like, if they have a lead late in the game, and San Diego State, I, if I'm San Diego State's coach, if I'm down by five or so with about a minute, maybe even a minute and a half left, I start fouling there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make you earn it because I'm gonna I'm gonna extend that game and. Because I'm going to bet that I can come up with two buckets before you hit four free throws. And look, I'm going to go on a I'm going to go on a 60 second rant here. I've always wondered in college why coaches don't, even if there's two minutes left, three minutes left in the game, when they specifically are in the the bonus, not the double bonus. Why you don't pur- purposefully take three fouls against a bad free throw shooter? It, it, you see so many times they'll just miss the front end. You got three shots there. If you're down, if you're ahead, you know, you wouldn't, but like if you're down with like three minutes to go, why not just do it? Because what I end up seeing happening is they'll, they'll play defense for 25 seconds. A guy will drive to the hole and they'll foul him shooting. And all of a sudden you've lost your one and one opportunity. And you put a guard at the line shooting two rather than fouling a big guy on the one and one. If it was just me, I would just do it three possessions in a row and just real quick, save the time and just be like, Hey, I'm going to give you a max of six points, but you're probably only going to get like two in three possessions. We can get some points, and all of a sudden we can cut your six-point lead to two or something. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway. <laughs> college basketball is just slow to adapt, like, analytical yeah. plays like that. Because think about it, up until, like, what, maybe five years ago, fouling while up three was a no-no. You ran away from the guys and hoped not to foul them on a three-point shot. Now almost everybody's doing it if they're up three with, like, under five. And – and I've seen a few teams adopt this. You're, if you're up two with, and you're shooting a free throw with like a second left, second or two left, miss the second free throw. Right, because then you want them to rebound it and have to. Yeah. What do you do? Launch it across the yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're you're right. They're slow to adapt to that. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Creighton Villanova Big East title game, five thirty Central Time. Uh, I'm switching it up on you here. I'm not taking a total. I'm taking a side. I like Villanova here minus six and a half. It's an A pick. For me, I've got Villanova as a nine-point favorite here. We're 2-0 and on Villanova A plays this year. And I, I want to say the impossible thing about this week is every t- – Jay and I were talking about this before we hopped on here. Every team has won. Every team – most every team has looked good. They've won multiple games, especially when you get to the end of the week. And it's really tough because I feel like I'm saying like, hey, I like Villanova to cover this number. And in your brain, you're thinking like, look how good Creighton looked yesterday. And I'm like, I totally acknowledge that Creighton looked good yesterday. 
but that's how every team is. So anytime you pick a side here, you have to go against someone who just looked good. And that's the benefit of the regular season is you can kind of say, I think this team will bounce back from bad performance. No one's bouncing back from a bad performance. If they had a bad performance, they're gone. Yeah. And so it makes this week really difficult. And so this is where, again, I, I'm just trusting the numbers here and saying that Villanova is a much better team than Creighton. I think almost by double digits. Uh, Villanova is fantastic on the free throws. That is a thing I'm sure, Jake, you'll you'll give us some yeah. more in-depth knowledge there. And that makes me feel confident they can cover this number. If they were a worse free throw shooting team, I'd say six and a half makes me a little bit nervous because they miss a few free throws and all of a sudden Nova wins this game by five or something. But if there does come down to free throws at the end, Nova will take care of business. I'm rolling with the A-pick here on Villanova. Jake, what do you have for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Villanova. The this Villanova team has gone through two real battles. And I think today they finally get a break. I think Creighton shot their shot against Providence and did everything they could, pulled all the tools out of the bag, and now they can't get them back in to pull them back out. Like, I think this is um, – Villanova's going to win this one fairly easy and kind of surprise most people uh, how easy they make it look. The score might not be that big. It might be 10 to 12 kind of range, but I think they're really just going to be able to – be up late and take the air out of the ball. And like, like you pointed out, they hit around 80% of their free throws. That's insane. It's crazy. Um, and it's, and it's all across the board. It's not like there's somebody you want to, you like they pull off the court at the end of the game. No, they, they've got their starting five out there because all of them hit, all of them hit the three ball. It really spreads teams out. I mean, UConn was probably the best matchup they are going to see in this big East tournament. And like that game was a great game. Um, and they pushed on it, so, but I think I think they get this one done because I don't think uh, Creighton has got enough to make this happen. I know they've got the size advantage, but Dixon, even though he's shorter than most, he really uh, he plays a lot bigger than he is because he is very strong and doesn't give up ground very easy. And so I think that's going to help out quite a bit. Uh, Slater, Slater is a longer guy that can match up uh, with the bigger guys. And then I can't say the freshman's name that's been playing for, well for him here at the end of the year. But he has really showed up and played great. It's played great last night. So I think that really is the difference because now they get a little bit of a bench. They've got more than one guy they can pull out. And so that gives them a break. And Colin Gillespie is still just one of the most clutch players of all time. And it's just fun to watch him work. All right. Then one last championship game here UCLA and Arizona in the Pac 12, 8 p.m. Central. Arizona's a short one-point favorite. I'm taking a B pick on Arizona, laying the one point. The model thinks it should be a shade over two. I think the first game was more of a fluke, and the second one represents closer to what we expect. And that's no disrespect to UCLA. UCLA's just been a little bit more inconsistent, a little more up and down. And that doesn't mean that they won't pop out and have a great game tonight. It's just, again, the model's built on what do we expect to happen so that we can hopefully again be right, you know, 52, 53, 54% of the time, right? That's kind of its goal. It's not going to be able to nail every game. It's not possible, right? And so it's not trying to go 100%. It's just trying to say, on average, what do we expect to happen? UCLA's inconsistency, I think, drags that down. The model is penalizing Arizona for Creasa being out. Um, that's obviously an unfortunate loss for them. I still think Arizona is the better team, and I feel more comfortable with Arizona than I do with UCLA. Uh, Jake, what's your take? Yeah, I'm... I'm not quite sure what to make of Arizona here. I think they win this game, but um, putting the number on what they win by is really tough because, like, with Krisha out, I, I'm not sure exactly what he means um, to them in a, big, in a big-time game like this. Is I know he's been very important throughout the year, but I, I don't know what the replacement value is. And I just think 
they've got Arizona's got a deep enough team that they can still win this game because um, UCLA really doesn't have that much of a bench. And Drew Zang still looks hobbled. I don't know if you watched any of the game last night, but he still doesn't look like he's battling a hundred percent. And that's really hard to go against a great team like Arizona and not have your leading scorer going at one hundred percent. So it's going to be a tough matchup for him. Uh, Benedict Mathurin is incredible, and then the big guys they have are just a lot of fun to watch. Um, if if they can push the pace at all, they'll handle this UCLA team a lot because UCLA is going to want to slow it way down. So. If they, if I would, I would, if I'm Tommy Lloyd, I'm putting a little pressure on him, trying to speed it up. So I think he'd lean, he'll do that. And he'll try to speed him up quite a bit because what's the if Arizona is one of the best fast break teams I've seen all year. They like it. They play so well together, which is wild because this team really hasn't been together that long. But the chemistry they have is just incredible. The way they run on fast breaks and have shooters trailing, it's really really good. I think if. Arizona gets any of that going, they win this game fairly easy. But uh, just be just kind of keep an eye on see what what happens and what the pace is looking like. Yep, yep, good point there. All right, and that takes us to uh, your standalone segment. Jake took the loss yesterday, still nineteen five and one all time. Going with another new name. This one, a, a listener suggestion. We're going to call it today. We're going to call it Fast Break with Jake. Like that one, like the rhymes. Anytime you get some of the rhyme, I'm a sucker for it. Uh, we're going to go to the ACC championship game. Virginia Tech versus Duke. Duke is a six point favorite in this one. Uh, I'll just give you a little setup here. I don't know if it needs one, right? Coach K's last ACC tournament game, the previous games would have maybe his last, maybe not, because you never really know, right? But this one's kind of setting up like that game a week ago against North Carolina. We know this will be his last ACC tournament game. Is he able to walk off the court with a trophy? And if so, is it because they won by more than six, what we actually care about here, right? Yeah, I, I think they do it. There's not all the hoopla and nonsense going on around this one like there was that Carolina game. And I think the players are going to use that as extra motivation. Like, hey, we I know we lost to Carolina at home, but we're at least going to win the last ACC championship we get a trophy. That little extra motivation plus, I mean, I know Virginia Tech's hot right now, but uh, in the last game, Duke cover, would have covered this number. And that was with a real – Mark Williams only playing 12 minutes for – I can't remember why. And then he's the defensive player of the year in the ACC now. Um, you've got uh, Blanchero, who had just had a great game. A.J. Griffin uh, shot the lights out of it yesterday. And so now if you get Trevor Kills and uh, Jeremy Roach going, they've got a really good six, six-man six rotation there, and you get any production whatsoever out of Joey Baker. That's another one that you're doing very well. Or Theo John, if he can just come in there and eat some fouls, beat up on some people, he, he performed his role really well. Um I don't think that we're going to see the same type of performance out of Virginia Tech as we did in this last matchup with Duke, where Mutt, or Muds and Alma both went off and scored. I think Muds had 20 and Alma, Alma, Alma uh, had 25. I don't think you get both guys going because that's where the scouting report is going to be. Uh, they're going to shut. They're going to shut one down and take and make you make the other one carry the team. Uh, I really just I think Duke has got this going. They're like. It seemed I know there was reports out there with the first game and into the second game they were dealing with some food poisoning type issues and that's why AJ Griffin really didn't play in the first game because he he had it bad. We saw him come back and was right on it last game. So I think all that gets cleared. They're able to push the pace a little more because their bench is feeling a little better, <clears throat> and I think they get this one done by double digits and close home happily. 
All right, and that takes us to our overtime A plays. I've got four A plays for you. Today I'm going to start off with the noon St. Louis-Davidson game. I'm taking the three-and-a-half points with St. Louis. I have loved backing both of these teams. I've hated Davidson yesterday, and I talked about how I hated doing that because I've loved backing Davidson. That did not work out for me. Um, this is a coin toss game, though. Davidson obviously stepping up in class of competition, going from Fordham to St. Louis. I think there's value in getting more than a basket. It's a solid value if you're getting three, but I think St. Louis plus three-and-a-half Makes a lot of sense because who the heck knows what's going to happen in this game. So just grab the points there. 12-5-1 um, and one backing St. Louis. Like I said, 11-3 and three backing Davidson. Unfortunately, in these games, you can't back both teams, right? This doesn't work that way. Uh, 3 p.m. I'm going back with Monmouth plus three versus St. Peter's. Even after yesterday's maybe heartbreaking loss, maybe heartbreaking push, maybe lucky win, depending on when you got it. Uh, we're nine and five backing Monmouth. The same thing. I think that's a coin toss game. So I like grabbing the points and or anytime we talk about these small points, splitting that between the money line, maybe putting, you know, 25% of your play on the money line or just going all money line, uh, whatever you think there. I think there's just some value in these dogs because it's tough to predict what will happen in some of these games. And I think they're very evenly matched teams. 5 p.m., I'm going Texas Southern minus three versus Alcorn State. This one's fascinating to me. For years, Texas Southern notoriously did not care if they went 0-11 in non-conference. They purposely scheduled the toughest teams always on the road. They were all about getting their guys ready for conference, playing the tough team. That way, when they got to conference, it was easy, right? It was weaker competition. Um, it was, we know how to play against, or we've seen these guys, you know, come March Madness. So they constantly would lose like six point road games to teams like Oregon and things like that, that were, you know, and then they'd roll through conference. This year was different. This year, Texas Southern constantly let us down giving up big leads, it, it, almost like they were trying out things in conference, whereas in years they were doing that in non-conference. So I don't know if something changed there or not, but the predictive metrics still like Texas Southern. Backed them a whopping 21 times this year, but to an 11 and 10 record, so straight break even. But seeing what they did yesterday, I'm wondering if those predictive metrics that said that we should be backing them all season were onto something, and they just didn't care about so many of those games because they knew they had to win the conference tournament. I think they've got it rolling here. Texas Southern minus three, I think, is a steal. I think they handle Alcorn State. And then the A-plus play of the day, 22-15-1 all-time here. I'm going noon central. I'm taking Norfolk State minus seven versus Coppin State. This is a home-ish game. It's in the same city, but not the same arena for Norfolk State. So they at least are sleeping in their normal habitats. Um, Norfolk State is rolling. The record disparity is real. Compensate hasn't won 10 games this year. Norfolk State hasn't lost 10 games. We are 12 and 4 backing Norfolk State. I think they get it done. And if it does stay close, then Fowles can at least get us over that number at the end. And I'm going to throw one B side at you, the best B side, 2 p.m. Central. I'm taking Tulane plus 13 and a half against Houston. I do not see Houston with a magic cover like yesterday. They might, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna trust. That if Houston's up five late in the game, that Tulane is a well-coached team. They fight hard, and they don't uh, get front door at the very end uh, like Cincinnati did yesterday. So I think Tulane plus 13.5, way too many points. That's my best B-side for you. Jake, I threw a lot at you there. Anything you want to you react to before we get to the live audience questions? I absolutely love the Norfolk State pick. Coffin State has no business being where they are right now. Um, they were a garbage team all year in this conference. Norfolk State is going to run away with that. I really like the Monmouth guy. Um, they've been playing very well. Uh, 
in this conference tournament and towards the end of the year. Is that is that the championship game or is that a semifinal? I, I can't remember. For, sorry, which one? Uh, Monmouth St. Peter. I think that's the championship game. But, yeah, that's a championship game. Yeah, so that, uh, if you listen to me earlier in the week, Monmouth was one of my long shots. Over there you go. Thousand, so, hey, I'm, uh, if, you, if you took it with me, I'm going to hedge and bait on St. Peter. That way I don't lose my money, but I, I'm really thinking Monmouth gets it done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like this is it's a kind of fun time of year. I, lo- I love this kind of stuff. All right, so that's all the planned content we have for you. If you want to type any questions in the chat, there are a few games we didn't talk about. Uh, if you want to submit those questions, we will see what we can come up with uh, there. Uh, Jake, real quick before we get to any of that, uh, I am I'm curious. You talked about Monmouth. What what is your strategy for that? You know, if you have like a you know, so you put two, so we put ten dollars on Monmouth to win a hundred, right? Yeah, and so now you've basically got the money line, and and you look at the money line there. St. Peter's minus three. St. Peter's is probably what minus one sixty or something in that in that nature. You know how much of that? Like, what's your? Because everyone has different strategies, right? This. So I'm not saying there is no there is no guaranteed range. It's all about personal uh, take, right? Because do you want to personally just kind of get out of it and go ahead and guarantee your profit, or do you just some people just love to let it ride, and some people want to hedge out like, to your bet amount, or where you can at least. Double your bag. So I'm just curious what your personal take is on how you handle this situation. What, what I like to do, because like, so this is the way I reason it out in my head. I don't know if it mathly, mathematically makes sense, but I like to put my 10, like $10 that I would lose if Monmouth doesn't win, right? I put another 10 on St. Peter's to cover. So that way I'm getting the 10 back plus I don't know, like a dollar sixty or something, you know, still a little money in your pocket, but then you're not out anything if St. Peter's pulls it off. But then you're still winning ninety bucks on the other side. Gotcha. But that's gotcha. how I do it. I, I don't know if it mathematically makes sense or logic, but I reasoned it out in my head, and that's what I'm sticking to. Well, that's why I said that. I don't think there's one perfect answer on that. It's just everyone's opinion of just their own personal risk tolerance, right? Like I said, I've seen I've seen a lot of people do that where they'll say, "I just want to get my my ten dollars back. That way I'm covered, and that way it's a, it's like it's a free play, right?" Yeah. Uh, and I see some people who will say, I, "If I bet ten dollars, I want to make ten dollars." So they'll bet such that they would win back twenty. Uh, but at some point, especially with those minus odds, it does get really tough because you start giving up a lot of your profit if you if you do too yeah. much of that, right? Yeah. Uh, got a question about the Indiana Iowa game. Uh, this is a fascinating one because I've loved backing, but I backed both these teams, and this is why I said it's sometimes tough this time of year, right? Because I backed both these teams yesterday. I'm like, well, well, now what do I do, right? Uh, I, right now, I have Iowa as a six and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm officially on a B pick on Indiana plus six and a half. And if that gets out to seven, seven and a half, that would be a territory for me. I think that's a lot of points. As good as Iowa's looked, Indiana's looked great. And Indiana's problem all year has been, I talked about it yesterday, has been losing close games. And they, they've won so far this week. I don't, I don't know if they keep it going here today. But even if they do lose a close game, then that gets us to the window, right? So Indiana worries me more so when they're, you know, a three-point favorite, something like that, or maybe like a – a 1.2 point dog. But when you're getting this many points with Indiana, they play close games. They hang with everybody. So I, I personally think Indiana uh, and the points makes a lot of sense. And I would actually look at the over 144. Uh, I didn't take the Iowa over yesterday, but I think uh, today's makes a little more sense. Indiana doesn't play quite the same defense that Rutgers does. So I kind of like Indiana and the over on that one. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm leaning Iowa. I think Iowa is just on a run right now. And I mean, Indiana is too, but Iowa's been going for longer. Iowa's got the best player on the floor with Keegan Murray. I, I just like that and the way they shoot. It looks like Bohannon and McCaffrey are finally healthy. So I, I lean up 
uh, with that. It's kind of like with it being six and like under seven. I like I like Iowa as long as the number's under seven. Over seven, I want Indiana. So this is right on the line for me. So I'm not super confident, but that's my reasoning. And I'll actually be at this game today. So you know, I'm I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be cheering. I'm but with a bunch of IU fans, so I'll be cheering for Iowa quietly. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be fun. And you're going to both the games today? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, we have a question about Kent State uh, if they can continue the run that they're on. I have them right now as a two and a half point favorite. The model makes them thinks they should only be a one and a half point favorite, but that's not a giant edge uh, either way. There, I like the over 123 and a half. That number is so low. Uh, I think that the total should be about two points higher. So I'm officially on the over in that game. With regards to the side, uh, Jake, do you have anything interesting there? Yeah, I like Kent State. I think their defense is the difference here. They actually play a really good defense, which is weird to say in the MAC because of how all those teams seem to play. Uh, but I, I really like this Kent State team. I've been on them all throughout this tournament. So I think they keep it rolling. I think they get a tournament berth, tournament, tournament berth here. Yeah, Kent State might be the only team that has an above-average defense in that entire conference. I'm not 100% on that, but it's very possible that they might be. Uh, but Akron uh, and Kent State both only have nine losses, which is, I mean, not that 10 losses is anything magical, but it is something that when I have the records on my sheet just jumps out at me as like, oh, they haven't lost their 10th game yet. Uh, and so many teams earlier this week, we saw a lot of those. Now we're getting dwindling down to the teams that are actually a little bit better, I guess, right? Yeah. Um. Any, were there any other – if there's any other questions, go ahead and y'all submit those. Jake, was there any other game that we did not cover today that you thought was – we had the other Big Ten game, Michigan State-Purdue game. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that one. I, I mean, that one hurts. I'm leaning Purdue here because I just don't think Michigan State's got going to be able to do it again. It took everything they had and more to win on a buzzer beater last time. So I think Purdue's going to do it, and I'll be cheering for Purdue once again with a bunch of IU fans. So – might have to do it quietly, but it's it should be a blast. Um, like the Purdue seemed to kind of turn it on there at the end of that Penn State game. I know they about they gave up that big lead and got close, and that's been their kind of calling card. But I think they've kind of found something in Newman. I think he's a, de- a good defensive player, so he'll get some more minutes today. Uh, Eric Hunter is going to want to show out in his hometown and Ivy too. So I, I really think they get it going. And, of course, we have that early game uh, in the American East Conference, like the only true road game of the day with UMBC and Vermont. Vermont, a whopping 15-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like I faded Vermont all year. It hasn't really worked out great uh, for me. I think the model is 3-and-11 um, fading Vermont. So that's, that's very, very bad. Um, that's just so many points, though, right? 15-and-a-half points in a conference championship game. UMBC has been a lot better to us, so uh, that would be an issue. That starts us off here at 10 a.m. Central, so we've got that early tip and then one of the Ivy League games also. So a couple games here getting going in about an hour and a half there. Um, there's a ton of championship games. I don't think we've touched on the Southland game as well. Um, the WAC one, the the Big West. There's so many of them today, so many tickets to be being punched. Um any other thoughts that you have for us, Jake, before we head out? I, I kind of like, touch on what Patrick's saying here with the money line. Um, just like I like it. I'll, I'll, I'm probably going to sprinkle a little bit on it, but just be wary that Tennessee's with, offense with Tennessee. uh, plus 130 is what he's saying. Like Tennessee, uh, like offense can tend to disappear at times, so you're really dependent on that defense to keep them in it. 
I, I think it's what's going to happen, but so you're playing with a full deck. Like, if that offense disappears, they could very easily lose. So that's why you like having the plus points, but I, I don't, I'm going to play the money line. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's all we've got for you then today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. Reminder, check out that Google Sheet for picks on all of today's games not covered in this show. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all of the college basketball content dropped right into your feed. Best of luck today. We will see you tomorrow with that recorded episode on Sunday. We'll cover all five conference championship games. Until then, remember, you need your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.